You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Let's do it. Why do you keep stopping it? I didn't stop it. It's not. It's already there. I just thought I'd, Let's do I'd leave it running to see what you said. No, you, but you, didn't. Didn't, you didn't say anything. You were saying a lot of stuff, and then as soon as I started recording, no, you I was stopped. saying, "Let's do this," and then you stopped it. You all right, that's all I'm saying. So, what's the uh, pre-show discussion? What have you got? Jungle Boogie. We didn't really have one today. I said I don't like the films of Spike Lee very much. And what did you say? I said something about Jungle Boogie, and then you said, that's Quentin Tarantino, and I said, no, it's Spike Lee, and then I said, no, it's Jungle Fever, and then no, you confirmed it. I'm not saying Quentin Tarantino um, performed the song Jungle Boogie. He used the song Jungle Boogie in his movie. Yeah, no. I think people will know. But I'm just saying, that was it for really the pre-discussion. If he did perform it, that would be good. You reckon? Yes. I think you hold him in too high esteem. No. <laughs> Unlike Spike Lee. Yeah, there was no other pre-show anything, I don't think. Really? No? No? Okay then, so this is uh, Sunday, June the 12th, 2011. This is after the show number 176. The movie we're looking at this week is uh, The Platoon. Not The Platoon. The Platoon, 25th Anniversary Edition Blu-ray. Right. Movie, movie's called... called Platoon. Yeah. But I... What, what was the movie that? we're discussing is Platoon. If you want to do the... 25th anniversary Blu-ray. Salesman crap on the side, that's fine. But no, it's not salesman crap. It's 25th... You've got to make a point. This is 25 years old, and it's the anniversary Is edition. this movie different in any way that we saw from Re- the original? Remastered, yes. Is it different than any way? No. It's not a different it movie. It features some deleted scenes that are different. Not in the movie. Not in the movie. So the movie is Platoon, and the rest is just marketing gobbledygook. Not really, because it's probably the best you will see Platoon. Uh, have ever seen Platoon if you're a massive fan of it. Let's move on. <laughs> you're no, not getting true. my point. True. I understand that. I'm saying, like, the other stuff about it's the 25th anniversary, all the stuff on the DVD, blah, blah, blah. Fine, that's to sell the DVD. We're talking about the movie. That's it. Unfortunately, or for, for you, but for our listeners who want to know about this Blu-ray, this is the part where I tell them about the Blu-ray. That's fine. So... Whether you're bored or not, I'm going to tell them anyway. That was not my point. The movie we're reviewing is Platoon. Now you can do the salesman stuff. It's not salesman stuff. You might want to buy this. Maybe that's the reason you're listening to this. I'll tell you this. So you're helping sell the DVD. I've told you this before. Okay, so this movie was released in 1986. Hence it being 25 years old. Exactly. Um, The DVD... This Blu-ray is out on the 24th of uh, May. So it already came out... You can get it now in North America. It's from Fox and MGM. It's a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. 25th anniversary. Features a lot of extras, which we'll mention later. And the movie, if you don't know, if you don't know, you're probably living under a rock, or you're too young to know. Or you're not interested in war movies. Is about... The Vietnam War. About Oliver Stone's experiences in the uh, Vietnam War. A young soldier in the jungle. Platoon. Mm-hmm. There's really not a lot of summing up for a platoon. I mean, a movie that's 25 years old. That's kind of hard to sum up it's hard for me. To, right, okay, then let's not sum it up. All right, so moving on. Um, it's hard to believe it's 25 years old. It's hard to believe that I can say anything uh, is 25 years ago and 
and fully remember 25 years ago. I graduated from high school the year this movie came out. You didn't remember this movie. No, I mean that it existed. I remember my life 25 years ago. I don't think I ever fully watched it. I really don't How could you not? It was all over the place that year. I mean, it was big I didn't live in a city, remember? I lived in a tiny town. Like a tiny town. We don't have a theater. Right, but you would have watched it on HBO or something. No, I don't think so. No? We didn't have cable even. Oh, my senior year I did, I guess, but... I don't believe so. It did, stuff didn't come out on HBO then, right away. Not at all. It took a year or more. So yeah, but the year later you would have seen it. No, I don't think I was that focused on stuff like that. Hmm. I went to college. Anyway, I saw it on the year of release. Absolutely. Um, but 25 years is a long time. You do forget a movie, don't you? The only movie I haven't forgot, and I know it's seen for seen, is The Exorcist. But I think it's because... I've watched it on every five years or so, maybe, you know, throughout that time. But Platoon, obviously not. Like, the last time I've seen it was back then in the 80s. So, um, while it it doesn't feel like a new movie to me, because I obviously know the major plot plot points. um, And it all came flooding back, like you said, as soon as you started watching it. For me, not at all. I think I must have only just watched a little bit of it. The scenes... See, I'm more familiar with Apocalypse now, because I've seen that a lot. Um, but there were scenes in this that I, I completely forgot about. So those were like new scenes to me. It was almost like a director's cut because I didn't remember some of it. Um, especially that, especially the scenes where they were in the um, just chilling out, smoking drugs and stuff oh, yeah. in the bunker. I, I, didn't, I didn't remember that to be as long as it was. Um, and it was quite good, quite detailed. So what did you think of the movie Platoon? <laughs> just sum it up? No, I mean, what are your <laughs> thoughts on this movie? It is relentless, first of all. I think, yeah. In that it is... It's when you know that it's from someone's point of view who's been there. And this is based on him, roughly. I'm not saying that every experience was what he experienced. I'm saying he took what he experienced and then tried to turn it into a fictional telling of this, you know. And, of course, it's he's he's kind of a deep guy, so he tries to turn into all that, you know, philosophical stuff. But it's relentless... um, and it may be, and the my perspective now is going to be different than if I had watched it then and discussed it. Now, when I start to watch this movie, knowing movies of this type from that era, I was instantly afraid for everyone all the time because I felt like the danger was there's like this creepy lurking. Um, you never know who's going to turn into your enemy. You know, like in the platoon itself, they start turning on each other. They have the two different, you know, one one leader guy is good and one's bad and all that. And I just felt this constant, like everybody's going to disintegrate into madness. And that may be because I've seen Apocalypse Now and, and other Full Metal Jacket and all yeah, the anything enemies. that portrays it from that era. Um, it just made me on edge like the whole time, which is good. And you're in the jungle. It, I don't know where he actually filmed it, but um, I don't know either. It's jungly, and it's constant. Like the green of the leaves and the trees are always between you and everybody else, and there's always smoke. I mean, it's beautifully done in a way that made me feel the like just danger is either right up close to you because the guy that you're in the platoon with can just stab you because no one's gonna know any different, or the enemy out there is lurking, and so the vibe of it to me is super intense. I'm glad there wasn't more music than there was. I know there was some music, but there's not as much as I remember it. Like nope. overwhelming, like Apocalypse Now has lots of music. Um, Good Morning Vietnam has lots of music. These, you know, what I mean, but this one seemed 
the classical piece, whatever that is, was on there more. Adagio for strings, I believe. Is it? Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Nice, hey, Scully. I might be wrong, but I think that's what it is. Um, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? There wasn't and, this hammering uh, Smokey home. Robinson tracks my tears. It's pretty much it. Yeah, and there's not. Yeah. it's not like oh. trying to hype you up. Ask Alice is also in there. Yes. Yeah. But it's not over. It's not like no, a it's not. poppy kind of a movie. Not to pump you up. Right. It's not that. In fact, in Apocalypse Now, there's a lot of yes. pump you up. Uh, let's play The Doors here. Let's play. Which is very typical Vietnam War movie. But yeah, it doesn't happen in this as much, does it? It's less than I thought. I thought it was full of that stuff. But there again, I crisscross a lot of Vietnam movies together. <laughs> yeah. Because they are a... It's a particular, you know... It's a genre of movie. It's a thing that happened, but it, there's a style. I think Oliver Stone did a different take on the Vietnam War, whereas Apocalypse Now is like a big epic journey. This is more of a confined, claustrophobic feel to the war. Like a philosophical, but in a weird way, non-judgmental look. Even though there are horrific things that individuals do. I mean, he likes to say a few things about the government. and Yeah, exactly. But it's subtle in a way that he's not knocking the people, the soldiers, for what they do. But he condemns certain ones for doing just the most immoral, making the most immoral choices as individuals, not as soldiers, as people making bad fucking choices, like horrible choices to hurt people unnecessarily, right? He condemns them individually, I feel like. And then, because I mean, I think about that stuff too, war, and is it necessary, and will it ever end? No, it won't ever end. So then you start thinking about it, people on people, and how we... How we can bring ourselves to do this shit to each other. And I feel like he does it in a way that's not... When you watch Apocalypse Now, you feel like the whole system is fucked. Like, all of it. It's mental, (laughs) isn't it? It's mental. Like, it is mental. All of it. There's no feeling Nobody really knows what they're doing. Right. And there's no sense of individual responsibility, really. It's all... To me, Apocalypse Now. And then there's also, like... Nobody really knows what they're doing. They're fighting this losing battle, and then the Playboy bunnies arrive in the middle of the whole thing, and it's like kind of ob- absurd. Like, but it really happened, you know? Right. I think I'm talking about something else. I mean, I'm just. Talking I just mean about, about the way they portrayed the war. Whereas yeah. Platoon, he he doesn't portray. Yeah. There's it in no any... letting up. Yeah. No, there's no letting up. It's just a. As soon as they enter the jungle, they're in the jungle. There's a battle. You know, it's a battle in the jungle, which you're gonna lose. I mean, it's not to Which spoil things. Which is funny, know. because what you just said is, my perception on the whole thing is, the battle of humanity is, will never win the the battle of ideologies. No one will ever come out on top. No. That group of people thinks this, we think this, we want what's in between, therefore we're going to kill you to get it. Or we're going to make you believe what we believe. I mean, that's really it, right? And I feel like, I don't know if because he was there, or because he just is a different kind of thinker, but that's what I get, that... The overall system is fucked up. Yes. One number one. Like the um, Charlie Sheen's line about, you know, we're nothing. And guys like the asshole just keep making the rules. And then good guys keep getting shit on. Yeah. And the grunts, just we're just all cogs in the wheel. Which the, the asshole guy reiterates. Um, that once a piece of the machinery starts breaking down, the whole thing breaks down, and I can't let that happen. Now, those are big ideas about all of how humanity runs, I think. And so I really dig it for that. I think it's pretty deep, and yet it's also just mud and guts and 
wet and sweaty and I mean you feel it all the to production me, is really good I mean oh god it's it's just like I said relentless to me yeah and especially you know I feel the mold in my shoes you know yeah, it kind of smells wet. Sweat. They keep wet cheese yeah. balls and cheese dick and stuff, and I just think, oh yeah, I yeah. bet that was horrible. I mean, it's horrible. Any war is horrible. Dudes right now who are in Afghanistan, whether it's our soldiers or their soldier people having to... You know what I mean? It's just, it's an un- unimaginable. This I like, movie can't I'll, give it to me, like, as it is, but... I also like the uh, journey of this movie, as in it's different from Apocalypse Now, where, you know, Apocalypse Now is given the mission and he goes on this mission, but this is, like, the opening scene where it's, like, the new meat coming in and the old meat walking, pa- walking past each other. Yeah. It can, uh, again, like I said the other day about a scene that doesn't need any dialogue, but tells you a lot. There's these grizzled-looking people who look like they've seen horrors... And then there's these new, fresh-off-the-plane dudes walking past each other. Without any dialogue, it's like, instantly, this is going to you know be horrible. You know where we're going with this, right? yeah. yeah. Um, <coughs> and then, literally, this doesn't um, let up there immediately in a mission. You know, this yeah. is an action-packed movie, if you like a... Um, it's kind of hard to say like, but... Yeah. If you like, want to experience a... Of war movie, it's straight to the action. It's and it never lets up. I don't think there's really much downtime apart from that time where they're in the. You know, I mean, there's a lot of dialogue moments. I think. I think that the action moments are so overwhelming that it seems bigger than it is sometimes. Really, there's a lot of action moments. I mean, there's quite a few battles. There's like a disturbing scenes, like the middle part. Yes, you know, it's kind of horrible. More horrible than. More horrible than any other one that's portrayed it, I think. And if anybody wants to watch this movie and roll their eyes and go, oh, as if American soldiers would do such things, it's just a movie, well, read up on your news about the Iraq and Afghanistan wars and some of the American soldiers who have actually been sent to prison now for the same and even worse atrocities. Just, I mean, a tiny, like, Yeah, I mean, people lose their minds. It's a stressful situation. And I'm just saying, don't watch this movie and think, oh, he's just taking liberties and trying to make soldiers look bad. No, he's trying to show everybody. I actually think, uh, from a standpoint of glamorizing violence or war, it doesn't do any of that. It's just literally... Oliver Stone was a guy in the Vietnam War. He, He did the same... He was on the front lines. He saw stuff. He met people. Like well, he, he said. did stuff. Yeah, met people who were exactly like the characters he wrote. I think it's probably the most truthful film because you know other films were not. The other films were not based on a person, like or, or not based on the director slash writer's yeah. um, experience. So it's a very personal movie for him, obviously, and I think it comes across that way because it. Doesn't pull punches, but then again, it doesn't glamorize. It doesn't have like super slow motion firefights or anything like that. It's... I think that if you're an asshole and you get off on certain things of violence, and you know you really do like to kick somebody when they're down, or you really get off on the idea of going and killing an enemy or something, there are parts of this movie you could say are glamorizing that attitude. But, but you I think have that to, was the you have to be very close. Well, those individuals, yeah, yeah. but you have to watch close and notice that those individuals don't uh, really make out very well. So, you know, on one hand, you're showing somebody sort of wallowing in the pleasure of war, and then you have to see the consequences of that. You have to pay attention to both. You know, where you can't be a pacifist if you go to war. 
you have to and get you have to go on with it. You can't go in the middle of a firefight and put your hands up and go, "Hey guys, let's all just sit down and talk." I mean, that's you, he doesn't yeah. have that, but you you feel like you've got a little bit of representation of that where one guy is saying, "Look, just be human." You know, we're fucking humans. These here. are these are yeah, people these too. are human beings, yeah. right? He's not saying let's not fight the war. He's saying like take a check of yourself. And then there's the other guy who's like, "Yeah, I'll kill them all." You know, so. I just feel like it's really well balanced. And still holds And I don't romanticize it. I didn't see it back then. I'm not in love with it from my youth or anything. It's just uh, almost a new watching for me. For me, it's not. But, I mean, it holds up, I believe. I I still think it holds up to this day. I think, um, you know, there's not a ton of Vietnam War movies now. Apart from, like, crazy action ones that is straight to video. But, I mean, not many people tackle it on a serious level anymore. Like, uh... Like this, or Apocalypse Now, or... Born on the Fourth of July. Forrest Gump had a bit of Vietnam in there. Yes. Oliver Stone, Born on the Fourth of July. Correct. Um, Almost. I mean, he wasn't born on the Fourth of July. Almost like a sequel to this. He directed it. No. He took it out from a different perspective yet again. Yeah. Someone who was gung-ho to go to war. Yeah. And then seeing what the... Not... It wasn't anti-war, necessarily. It was anti-the way, I think, that the the meat grinder... The Vietnam War, yeah. yeah. Which... This also has elements of that, but he doesn't dwell on it, I don't think. But, you know, it's obvious that... Was it a Playboy cover that had a meat grinder? A woman's legs poking up? Or no, was that MASH? No. Maybe that was... Mad maybe Magazine, not. maybe? No, I'm mixing two things together. I'm mixing up the cover of MASH, which has the gun the two, with like... the thing on the top. Yeah. yeah, the peace sign with the yeah. helmet on it. And I'm mixing that with the cover of Playboy that had the meat grinder... And then the woman's legs poking up out of it, and right. I'm thinking of it has the helmet on the one of the feet, but I don't think it does. <laughs> I don't know. I was like thinking that was a big political statement by Playboy, but I, I think I'm mistaken. So yeah, this is an um, important film. I think a film. You know, if you if you're serious about that era, you want to delve into that era. This is a movie, definitely a movie to see. Because it's spoken from a voice of somebody who was in that era. You and you've know? seen movies more recent, well, like Hurt Locker and that. Now, how does the... Because they're both war movies. How do they compare? Hurt Locker is about, of course, the war in Afghanistan. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw that Rest Repo as well, but that was a documentary. Right. That The Rest Repo had a feel of this. Like, it felt real. I mean, obviously, it was real. They were following some dudes, right? But... Yeah, that's where... Hurt Locker was fictional, so... Yeah. I mean, it's based on some real people, again. I mean, yeah, a serious take on a war movie. On, you know... What, what was the other one? Um, so, yeah, we do make that type of movie. We just don't tackle the Vietnam War so much anymore, do we? It's a lot of distance. I mean, it's like 40 years ago. It is, but we still make World War Two movies. Yeah? Yeah, and the, what's the idea? The idea always is... That the machinery up above, which are the governments, yeah. are a meat grinder for all the people, all the soldiers who, you know, in good faith, join a, a military service and, well, willing to go to war and fight for their country and what's believed in and go do what they're told. And yet, there's like this weird anonymous cloud of nobodies who make it all happen on both sides. I think war movies often throw that out there, and yet we just keep 
doing it. I guess <laughs> Jarhead is another recent. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was realistic feeling. Yeah. Even though it was a fictional thing, it, it was well, it wasn't actually. It was based on a real guy. But... Yeah, and had that surreal, weird. Um, how can humans do this to each other kind of vibe, but not condemning it. It's like a, you know, like, I feel like Deer Hunter is a condemnation of the war yes. overall. Like everything about it. It's hardcore. That's one of my recommendations. Deer Hunter to me is one of the hardcore war movies that you're going to see. Cause it's, I think Apocalypse Now is hardcore. Oh yeah, totally. Because it's, Deer about, Hunter it's follows, more about the madness of war, you know. And Deer Hunter too, because you yeah. know. Uh, Christopher Walken is, is fucked up afterwards, and it's all just, it's nuts. That that one's really nuts to me. I don't but there's all that mad shit in Apocalypse Now, like, yeah. like obviously, um, The Godfather going nuts, and Kurtz, and um, Robert Duvall. Just like some, like... An- oh, but he's not nuts, is he? He's no, he's believe- not, but he's immune to war. Like he loves it. It's happening. If anyone who doesn't know, he's the one that stands up, takes a deep breath, and says, "I love the smell of napalm in the morning." And, if a, you ever and an explosion goes off about uh, three feet away from him, and he doesn't even move in the slightest. I don't. It's it's crazy. It's kind of like Barnes in this one with the with, uh, the Baron. Yeah, he does that. With doesn't the scar. He? Yeah, he's he's like he's done. He's just this is happening, and whatever happens, happens. I don't. Need and to. then to some degree, the Dylan guy, um, Matt Dylan's brother. Was in Kevin, yep. who says, "I like it here. You can do what you want." Like different attitudes, I guess. Yeah, yeah this does portray everybody as a different. So, what do you do with somebody who enjoys or is at home in that environment, and then you bring them back to civilized life? And that's they the problems. Yeah, there's function. a lot of Vietnam yeah, yeah. vets who came back. Well, and- no, I don't mean just Vietnam vets. I mean the actual personality of a person who. Uh, yeah, because there's nothing that will ever reach those heights of for you of of horror and everything like you, uh, sensory everything you, overload. Yeah, fear if you enjoy and, it, even or oh, right, thrive right. on it, you're talking about like people who get off on it. I don't even just mean get off on it. I mean that's where you're happy. Like it's your operation zone, right? So you do all that. It's fantastic in your. Well, it's not fantastic. It's horrible, right? But you operate well, you survive well, and then you come back, and then you have to shop for beans. Yeah, because you're fucking milk. crazy. <laughs> you're yeah, crazy, crazy to, to love with. that war or love that environment, so you come back to civilized life. And the and thing then... is, you're kind of crazy, but that makes you a good soldier in this case mm-hmm. because you questionably can operate under severe stress and still do your job. But then when you come back, there's nothing that will ever ever meet match it. So, I think we're talking about two different people here. I'm talking about psychopaths. No, I'm not talking about psychopaths. Okay, I'm talking I, yeah. about people who just operate. Oh, no, I'm not talking about a... I'm, yeah, you're talking about like combat. a very straightforward... I can... Yeah, I know you're Deal talking about. Deal with it. Like, I'm talking... Oh, I'm not talking about that guy. I'm talking about the psychopaths that actually get into the service and then get sent and then they love it. Don't they, they have like, like heavy psych tests nowadays before you go in? If that was the case, then some of these things that have actually happened in war wouldn't. But, mm. you know... Well, no, you could flip. True. You could be perfectly oh, fine, and then you see something horrendous, and then you flip, right? That's true. Yeah. I don't know that any of us could ever comprehend it. No? No. Unless you're there. We don't. I mean, the news whitewashes the whole thing. We don't see what really is going on, and you don't see it. Even if they showed it, just we won't know, because we're not there. No. No, because it kind of feels removed, a bit yeah. like a movie. You're watching some news footage, but 
you've seen this in a movie, it just seems kind of like that, and it, you, you haven't got any reference, have you, until you stand it's next filtered, to it. yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's move on to the cast of this movie. Uh, there's a lot of stars in this movie. I mean, they might not have been stars back then, but um, it's like star-studded, and, and like lots of uh, people who you're like, wow, look how young that guy is, and it, that was only the 80s. Yeah, that was 25 years ago, babe. I know, but it doesn't feel like... If you like... live to be 100, that's 25% of your life. What I mean is, the 80s doesn't seem like 25 years ago. <laughs> that's my to point. Me. You're getting old, that's why. <laughs> well, if I was getting older, you think it would feel like a long time ago. No, no, it's not what happens. When you mm. get older, time like goes like that. Right. You go, what? That was 1986? That was yesterday. So, this is an interesting one, because Keith David plays King. And I was going to say a young Keith David, but I think Keith David's like a perpetual age. He always stays that same, roughly the same <laughs> he age. Does, yeah. Like, I don't ever recall seeing him as a young man. I just see him as the same guy. Like, I mean, he might have a bit of grey hair. He's grey hair now, yeah. But he's still the same His guy. His voice is a little deeper. Yeah. Um, he's really good in this. Yes. He's um, my favourite. I think everybody's good in it. Um, it's... It's like, it's a weird thing, isn't it? It's, um... There's not... There's some dialogue. There's a lot of dialogue. I think you skip over. It's all no, dialogue. No, I didn't skip over. I was watching. Um, I don't mean that. I mean, I think that the action and the intensity overrides the fact that it's... Re- there's. If you think about all the things that are portrayed, that are told to you by people during dialogue, there's loads of it stuff. It feels 1980s style of acting to me. Yeah, yeah. Whereas 70s feels different again, doesn't it? Like there was that... in You know, the Deer Hunter or something. There's that very realistic, like, don't feel like you're acting kind of thing do method yeah this feels a bit more like people are acting but it's that 80s thing it feels like an 80s movie which except is except for Keith David I feel like he's just he's yeah he's really good pulling it off yeah Forrest Whitaker as Big Harold um even though I'm not fond of Forrest Whitaker generally I think he does a good job here but there again he's not got a lot he hasn't got a ton of stuff um Kevin Dillon is you know people will know recently from Entourage um He's fantastic, and he's really young. And he's, hor- and he's a horrible person. He is, but he plays the horrible person yes. perfectly. Like, like you can like say, a, I know dudes like that. Yeah, I have like known a, dudes like that. Like a, he's the one who says, I love it here. I mean, you can do what you want. and Yeah, you know. it's just fucked up, and I can operate the way I want to. Yeah. Um, but he does, you're right, I think he's one of those people that stand, like you say it's star-studded, but in fact, when you peel it away... You get a handful of people who are now mega famous. Yeah. Or quite famous. They don't know that they're all Talking stars. Of quite famous. There's a very young Johnny Depp here. And like Oliver Stone says in one of the cut, he's like basically before anything, really. Right? Just before 21 Jump Street. Which was before anything he'd ever done. Because that's where he started, right? Mm hmm. Um, and he's good. It's very brief. It is, be honest. but it, it's, <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to promise. There's not much. He does. He speaks in Vietnamese, and then he, then that's it. Like one scene where he does and he's super young. It's funny, isn't it? It's like it, it's you know at the start of like something huge for him. I, mean, I love your mind, you know. I mean, at the start of like an Oliver, at the start of your career, before you do anything, you're in an Oliver Stone. Movie. Kevin Dillon, same. Charlie Sheen, same. Hmm. Willem Dafoe, who, in my opinion, is the star of this movie, I freaking love him, is 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 on a level of, um, for me, um, Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now. It's like the... It's, it's a lot... It's, there's a lot to that character. 
I don't think it's any more than the Berenger character, to be honest with you. I, think I, don't, like the, I don't like the Berenger character. And you don't like him. But I mean, if you think No, about... I don't mean don't like the character. I mean, I don't like the portrayal as much. Right. But I'm saying, like, the characters have a eat their balance. It's just this me. awesome part where he goes on his own little mission on his own. It's fantastic, that part. I always... I couldn't, that's the part where I was like, oh, yeah, I know what right. happens here. And it's like, he just decides to... Have his own little mission, and it's pretty fucked up, <laughs> and it's crazy the way it's shot too, isn't it? You know, with the two sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that scene, but I, you know, everybody knows the famous. Well, look at the cover of this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that's what it was. Yeah, I won't. I won't. If you've not no, seen no. it, I'll spoil <laughs> that, but, um, I just disagree with you about it being any more impactful than the Berenger character because, and whether or not you like Berenger, and I'm kind of on the fence because I think he's. There are moments of almost genius with him being the character, being that guy, and then there are actorly moments, you know. But the scar thing, I think, kind of puts him in the vibe of it, and then he gets off as the character guy is just—they're the same, but they've come to different. They've been there the same amount of time, right? Three years each, three years. And the guy Charlie Sheen that we're following is only going to be there for one year, and he has—we haven't even followed him for the whole year, and he's. Already- I, I just think I like the right Willem Dafoe bring what he brings. He's like it's a slight in anything. You also agree with his character more. Yeah, <laughs> and in anything, Willem Dafoe as the actor, he brings this. I don't know if he's crazy in real life, but there's a <laughs> craziness to him that you can't like shake in any character he plays. Like Christopher Walken, you're not sure. It's a bit. Yeah. Yes, it, and and it's good because it makes you feel like you don't know what this character is going to do. And in in this movie, you're right to not know what this character. Sad thing is, do. you know, a lot of young people only know Willem Dafoe from Spider Man. Yes, and the Boondock Saints, if they're looking. I don't to the think scene. they will have watched. I'm talking about young people that mm. will be their first experience with Willem Dafoe yeah. as the rich and that's guy not, from. That's not. Um, no. But still, he shows elements of craziness there too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So and then. Yeah, Beringer, as we mentioned, and Charlie Sheen, who we have to remember, while maybe crazy now, was actually a good actor in his time, right? I disagree. Now, you now, can claim, I don't personally, think- I think Wall Street is what it is because of him and not because of um, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. I think Charlie Sheen's the strongest part in Wall Street. I also think he's really good in this, and I was a little bit tinged by recent events when I started to... When he came, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. Platoon, yeah, it's Charlie Sheen's story. So we're going to see him all the time. Obviously, I've got the, um, you know, winning and all that stupid shit in my head. But no, he was a good actor. I mean... It comes and goes, come on. I mean, he wasn't great. He was an 80s intense. actorly guy. I mean, a in little, this, I'm Yeah, intent. Yeah, no, I'm talking about in this movie. He's got the 80s vibe occasionally. Um... But there are moments of solid, you know, you see the quality and then other times when it's just he's a young guy and he's... I think, sort of... I think he was the perfect guy to follow in, on this journey. He felt right because he felt wet behind the ears and then literally a few months later he felt like he'd been there a thousand years. See, and I disagree. I don't feel like he gave me that guts and thing. At the see, I was me, thinking he would get hardened and I never felt that. I only... he was. I just felt of, he'd become... He had a lot of black shit on him and dirt. And well, I just and... thought he'd learned a lot quickly. Like yeah. he, like he was nothing. I mean, he's literally at the beginning of that scene. They, they, they're perfectly clean. He knows nothing. He's wet behind the ears. He knows nothing. And in, in fact, he's 
got all that shit with him, remember? They're unloading his pack, the things are biting his neck. He's completely unprepared for this. At the end, you can't say he's unprepared for what's happening. No, but I don't feel like he's really changed that much. I think that was in him the whole time. He didn't know it. He rose to the occasion. And now when he goes home, if he goes home from Vietnam, um... He's just going to be a rich asshole kid like he was when he left. It's not, I mean, it hardened him a little bit, but I feel like I didn't get any grit really from him. Not really. There are a couple of scenes, yes, where he just goes. I disagree. I like, I love his performance in it. There's the other guy, the John McGinley or whatever he's called. Oh, yeah. McKinley. McKinley. Um, While I had problems with his accent that he was doing. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It's kind of bugging me a little bit. The look. That he gives when he realizes, like he's excited to go and leave this shit. The look that he gives when he realizes he, he's having a, more. Yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, Just, you're going to be here another year. It's priceless, like that look. It's, it's it, you. It's like oh yeah, like uh, like I think I'm going home in two days. Now I'm staying for another year. Imagine that, like horrible. Right? And that to me also that like you said it. He drove home that feeling of, now imagine, he's staying for another year. He looked up to the Behringer guy who was a complete asshole, reckless, dangerous. Now he could become... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Here's the machinery. He's the new cog in the wheel of... And that scene where... He can go one way or the other. The scene where he's asking Behringer, can he go home a couple of days? Yeah, yeah. And, like, Behringer's so... And he dismissed it by that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's it's good. I, I like it, but the accent... Kind of bugs me, and it did. I remember the first time. He's not a great actor. I mean, not comedy really. might be fine. It's, it's quite actually in this, isn't it? It's quite. I mean, putting on an accent for for a start when you know, then it doesn't stay. The it's whole a time. weird accent. Yeah, it's weird. That, I think that's the problem. It doesn't always because he doesn't talk like that, does he? he but I'm aware of. No, he doesn't. He's been um, in a lot of stuff, though. He's one of those guys. Been yeah, a lot of stuff, including a lot of Oliver Stone movies. He was in Wall Street. Born on the 4th of July. He was in 7. World Trade Center. I'm not sure what. <laughs> World Trade I'm not Center. Sure what. He was a fireman or something? I don't know. Yes, he was an uncredited fireman. Right. Um, so obviously... So Oliver, he called up Oliver Stone's like, hey man, give me a job. <laughs> obviously Oliver likes him, you know? So directed by Oliver Stone, who also directed those movies we just mentioned. Wall Street, Natural Born Killers, one of my favorites. World, JFK. World Trade Center, JFK. Lots of movies. Natural Born Killers being my particular favourite. Another Sunday. Another given Sunday. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there another one recently that was like not Oliver Stoney that we watched that seemed like it was out of character but we liked? I, can't I don't know what the last Oliver Stone movie I saw was. I thought it was World Trade Center. Hmm. He did Wall Street too, but I've not seen it yet. Correct. That's the one. And I'm thinking. I never saw it. Right. So, um... But I've never yeah. seen Wall Street either. I do like Oliver Stone. 20, 23 years ago was Wall Street, I think. Yes. I have Wall Street, if you want to see it. <laughs> Let's watch it right now. Then we'll come back and we'll talk about that. <laughs> All right, so this two-disc set of uh, Platoon features quite a few extras. Um, it's Platoon in high definition. I don't think that's an extra, because that's the movie. <laughs> Audio commentary by Oliver Stone. Very interesting. I think that would be very because interesting. Because he was actually, you know, you'll get some insight into the Vietnam War. Uh, audio commentary by military advisor Dale Dye. Who, that was um, good. There's a full commentary on the movie with this guy. And he's like, Oliver Stone. Well, I was thinking, why does Oliver Stone need a military advisor when Oliver Stone was in the military? But I guess you do he need some. 
you do need somebody for all the detail, don't you? He wasn't a trainer. This guy was no, a... No, this like guy a, was a tra- like yeah. a drill sergeant. Um, there's deleted and extended scenes with commentary by Oliver Stone. The deleted scene, There's an alternate ending, actually, which is quite interesting. Um, Not an alternate overall ending. An no, alternate ending but an alternate section of the way that the movie would be. Um, and Oliver Stone does add some good insight here as well, I think. Um, there's a flashback to Platoon, which is like a documentary that's like an hour and 20 minutes, but it's set into three parts. One of the parts is um, Snapshot in Time, 1967 to 1968, which we watched. Mm-hmm. Good. Very good. Very informative. Things you don't know. I was born in 1967 amidst the all of the... I mean, that was a couple of years. If you ever wondered why the Vietnam War was and why it happened, this really breaks it down from how um, it It doesn't started. explain how it really started originally. It explains how it went, how it spread yeah, and yeah. what happened. Uh, like, from the... Like, in, in steps. Like a, like, a, like a beginner's guide to, like, this is what happened. The Wikipedia version of yeah. Vietnam War. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Then there's um, Creating the Nam, Raw Wounds, which is another documentary, and The Legacy of Platoon. These, these two have interviews with everybody involved. If you're a fan of Platoon, it's the documentary to see. Any of it now? From now? Anything from now? No. Then documentaries, One War, Many Stories, and Preparing for Nam. The Preparing for Nam one that is... Good. It's brief, but it's with the stale die guy uh, showing you how boot camp goes. Not boot camp for this movie, boot camp in real. And explaining fun. how when you're an actor, you can't. And I like what he said about when you're going to be a soldier, um, what you're drawing on is the last bad portrayal you saw of a soldier yeah. in the movie, and you think that's it. And I'm here to tell you that's not it. And that he break, he goes through this training with them. I don't know who all did it. Um, if all of them did it, or I mean, I feel like Keith <clears throat> David must have been old enough to have been in Vietnam at that time. I don't know. He seemed like he was in—he was like almost thirty or something. I don't know. I really don't know. And that would have been nineteen eighty-six, so yeah, um, maybe not. But and then you've got um, vignettes. Um, what's this one? This is really small text. You'd have trouble with this. Caputo and the Seventh Fleet: The Die Training Method and Gordon Gecko. Three short uh, vignettes. I want to explain what they're about because one of them is particularly interesting to Oliver Stone fans. And I would spoil it if I told you. Um, theatrical trailer and TV spots, a DVD version of the movie, and that is your lot. So, yeah, a lot of stuff, particularly the two commentaries. So if you love Oliver Stone and you want to listen to him for two hours... Is your... I still think they could have done a little something for the 25th. Yeah, it seems that they released it, he said what year, but they've just redone all them. 2006. Yeah, it basically they got it. He'd not even seen the movie, had he, since it, he made it? Uh, he didn't say that. He said he hadn't seen it many times and hadn't been that recent. Oh, I thought he said he'd only revisited it now. So Mm-mm. I know some directors never watch the movies. I mean, why would you? So you can get better at what you do. Um, I, things are come and go, though, don't they? And then you're, working, no. you're always busy working on the next one, so you don't need to sit and watch your... I disagree. I think if you're an artist of any kind, you have to keep looking at what you've done, not to condemn yourself, but to go, okay, I didn't particularly, I know I've learned I more. I think some don't watch them at all, ever. I think actors might not, but I don't know about directors. Okay. So, um, in conclusion, uh, must buy for everybody who's into war movies. Um, probably one of the most important war movies, I think, personal. Um, it's not my favorite Vietnam movie, because I do like Apocalypse Now um, a lot. 
redo, not this one, not the original one. Um, but I think this is an. Some important... say Patton is the most important war movie, but well, Vietnam. I'm talking right, about. right. I think it, this could possibly be the most realistic, if there can be such a thing, portrayal of it from a man who was there. Right. Writing and directing. Unlike Apocalypse Now. Well, you know. Yeah. For Coppola was too, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. What do you think? I do. I think it depends on the person. And not everybody's going to appreciate it for what it is. But no, you have don't to... watch it with the kids. No, it's not a movie for kids. No, 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 no. no. Um, but, yeah, I recommend it. It is a... Uh, it's there's not, not movies like this anymore, I don't think. Not really. Not quite as real. Uh, well, I mean, Saving Private Ryan was what five years ago? No, ten. How long ago was Saving Private Ryan? Fifteen years ago, probably. Really? Yeah. Holy shit! I would imagine <laughs> mid nineties. Well, you just like you said, you saw we saw Jarhead. It wasn't the same kind of thing, but it was didn't shy away from no, I don't the grizzliness it, it didn't of war. Feel like this though. No. There's something about these movies, Apocalypse Now, This, The Day, and so those that feel more... I don't We just don't make films like that now. Perhaps we're, like you say, a bit further on. Like, if we made a Vietnam film now, it would be a, a not never not feel the same. Because mm. we're not as close to it anymore. But if we made a movie about the uh, conflict that's going on now, it would be that's very... That's what I'm saying. Re- that was what you watched, right? Which, which Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker is about yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah. That's why I was uh, asking. But no, it felt glammed up. It felt... It didn't feel realistic to me. Right. It felt like... Do you know that one we saw with Jason Bourne? It wasn't Jason Bourne, but that one. Yes, the green zone. Yeah, it feels really hyped up. Yeah. The camera's shaking. You know, it's all... <laughs> That's how... Hurt Locker's like that? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, it's quite... I thought it was all gritty and shit. No, they make the height and the tension by having shaky cam and, you know, it's it's not the same. It's just not the same. This is like film, the way these films were made. There was no shaky cam back then, was there? It was still steady tracking shots even when there was action going. Well, now, wait a minute. You say that in the past, when there's shaky cam, it feels more realistic. So either it is... It, it does. I'm saying that it doesn't make it different. It, it We don't make films like that anymore. I know, but you're saying that... Now, that we, now we have... Now it's almost like we have to have the shaky cam. So it's not I'm not realistic. saying it's bad. No, I'm saying it's it's like a documentary style, whereas this is like a film, like like a film portrayal, like Apocalypse Now. Beautiful shots, long vista shots. We don't have that anymore. Stuff's made like a documentary. Like that's what the Hurt Lock is like. It's, so the Hurt Lock would be more realistic if you were a documentary cameraman, I guess. I don't understand, but. Why? No, I'm saying, like, the Hurt Locker. I'm thinking if you're saying it's got the shaky cam and it's got, like... A lot of music. That, that would and... seem more realistic than this, which is just really set up filmmaking from a lot of... From the distance. I guess I know? prefer the look of this because of the... You know, it's very specific. Right, right. You know? I think we might get to a point where we've seen too much documentary kind of stuff. Oh, totally. I'm over it now. I'm footage. ready. Yeah. I'm... And we want to go back to a, you know, well-shot staged, you know... Like Platoon, because it's all very put together. I think you can combine them, but yeah, I'm kind of over the... I think we will get really, you know, immune to it even. Like, oh God, yeah, it's happening again. You know, a lot of movies do it now. 
And then when you do watch a real live documentary, a real live thing, you've got to the point where you, you you're you still it? blurred about whether it's real or not. Because you just watched We're in that age Battle LA, yeah, yeah. where it's got the same look and feel of a lot of the scenes as like this real soldier's carrying a real camera through this real thing. We're in that age already, aren't we, where you might be immune to like somebody shows you some horrendous footage from the war shot by a helmet cam on YouTube. You're in that blood, is this a movie, or am I watching real thing, or is this going to have some CGI, or, like, is yeah. somebody messed with this, or, you know, you, yeah, yeah. You, you're never fully, oh, is this really happening, or, you know, it's weird, isn't it? It's like, we're in a weird time where anybody can do anything with a camera. So, stuff doesn't, stuff might not be real. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah. It's a weird, another discussion for another day. <laughs> so, um, thanks to um, Fox slash MGM for this movie. Uh, in conclusion, I say get it. Um, if you want to enter a contest to win a DVD, see aschoolie.com for details. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Hall Pass on Blu-ray. Mr. What's he called? Don't know. <laughs> Owen Wilson. Oh, right. Um And movie tagline fun for this week. I just want to mention the movie tagline for Platoon is War is Hell. Which is a good tagline. It's not really tagline fun. <laughs> no, but it's a good tagline for it. I think every week you should say the tagline of that movie and then segue into your tagline for fun. Which I just did. Yes. So uh, don't look, because I forget what it says. And I put a spoiler tag on our little thing. Okay, yeah, I get it. (laughs) All right, movie tagline fun. I'm going to give you a movie tagline and you're going to guess the movie. Do we need some theme music? No. Man is the warmest place to hide. Hmm. I don't... Just let me say something. I don't think any of us have got one of these yet, right? What? We've got one right. You I or just, I? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've done it for two, but we never get it. Invasion of the Body Snatchers? No. Am I close? No. Man is the warmest place to hide. <sighs> is it, um... What's that called? The one with Dustin Hoffman? No. Okay, I give up. Tootsie. No. <laughs> um, uh, the one with the disease that spreads all over. Outbreak. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> it's John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, dear. So I was close. Alien invades the body. Or something invades I, the I body. I particularly like that tagline. I think it's perfect. Man is the warmest place to hide. That's mm. a good one. So that's movie tagline fun for this week. Next week will be your turn, so think about one. We've got a week to decide, and it'll probably happen on that night when you go, have you got your tagline yeah, fun? And, you and I'll no, go, oh, I crap, no, I don't. All right, so um, movie recommendations for this week. I'm going with Apocalypse Now for my favorite Vietnam movie, if you can have such a thing as a favorite Vietnam movie. And my favorite making fun of Vietnam movies, Tropic Thunder. If you can make fun of Tropic Thunder. I was going to say, it's really a light <laughs> subject, but... No, Tropic Thunder is, I think, an amazing movie. Because it, it... It's almost... Were they in Vietnam? They were in Vietnam. They were somewhere else. No, but it's like... They were like South it's America. It's filmed like a Vietnam movie is what I'm Right, thinking. but it's not about Vietnam. I mean, there's specific nods to Vietnam movies, but no. Um, but anyway, it's making fun of Vietnam movies. It's hilarious... It's... Uncomfortable, hilarious. Sometimes. Yeah, but really funny. I, I really like it. I think it was... 
it was actually up for an Oscar that mm-hmm. year, which was hilarious as well. But I, no, I really liked it. I really liked it. Um, and I wanted to, after all this doom and gloom, uh, um, Platoon's mm-hmm. not. A, I wanted to bring the uh, tone up a little bit. It's not lightheartedness in the Platoon. There's not. No, but there is in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yeah. And my recommendations are, thank you for asking, Deer Hunter, as I said, because if you want to watch a Vietnam movie, there's that... not a lightness in that one either. No. <laughs> in fact, I'm not sure that there's any. It's a slow. 70s paced method. It's actually three and a half hours long. It's a tour de force. If you're ready to watch a, a Vietnam movie that, you know... And it's interesting because it's not, like, an hour and a half of that movie is not Vietnam. Correct. You it's, start it's out without it and then you go of, there um, and yeah. then you start... I like, the, I like that. It's not family oriented. No, I don't mean families watch it. I mean, it's about yeah, it's the these people. people with their families. Yeah, it's about the people. Just living... Yeah, so you get them before they go... What yeah. happens to them while they're there, and then what happens afterwards? You get them working a, in the thing. Yep. And, yeah. And my other one is because of Willem Dafoe, and if you want to see a little craziness, the Boondock Saints. Yep. Because he wears a dress. I believe, he does in a that good. Movie. At one point. What's he called? A profiler guy, cop yes. guy who comes to the murder scenes and. Uh, like he's channeling like Harvey Keitel in um, the cop one. <laughs> I think it's different, but. No, so Harvey Keitel. Um, bad lieutenant. Bad lieutenant. I know he's not a profiler. I don't know what he's doing at some points in that movie, but that is just fucked. getting wasted. That's fucked up. <laughs> That's a good uh, recommendation. A, li- a little um, tidbit of information. Um, I was looking at some trivia for. Um, I always think Maniac. No, Bad Lieutenant. The other day, and the scene where he's where he pulls the two young ladies over in the car, and then proceeds to masturbate while they while he tells them to pretend to give a blowjob to something. He actually masturbated. It was an interview with Avi Keitel, and he, he's a method actor. No, we're talking about the Bad Lieutenant, the original, not the Bad Lieutenant with Nicolas Cage. No. Just so people know. So Avi Keitel actually really masturbated to these two actresses, which, if you ever thought Avi Keitel was a bit odd. Well, there is a car door between them. Still. He's not he's, doing it he's right He's masturbating now. in front of people on the set. It's a, uh, <laughs> what about in the piano? As well. I never saw the piano. If you want to see Harvey Keitel like lose his marbles, if you don't already think he has, he loses them in the in the piano. He loses them in many films. One of your favorites, Pulp Fiction. He's a bit of a dick. He's hilarious in Pulp Fiction, but yeah, he's a maniac in it. Also, Reservoir Dogs. He's a maniac. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, that's off topic too. So, uh, <laughs> so what else we got? That's it for recommendations. Games and A Scully stuff. Big week this week. It was E three week. Lots of. Oh really? Um, I didn't notice. Oh, wait, yeah, that was because my husband, every single day, got little sleep and watched hours and hours and hours of people talking and pretty much saying the same thing over and over and over, even though I don't think you noticed. When I was listening, I heard a lot of repeated things. Well, I did watch coverage from several sources, yeah. so sometimes it overlapped. Um, but yeah, I saw pretty much everything, without going to E3. <laughs> I think I actually saw more than I would if I'd have gone, because sure. you can't see all that, and I don't think. So... I just got. I've wrote down the major announcements. Mike, starting with Microsoft, um, they had a press conference on Monday. They were the first out, out of the gate. They announced a lot of Connect stuff. Um, we don't have a Connect. I have no desire to get a Connect. Do you want a Connect? I think a lot of people listening might not even know what that is. It's like a camera that fits onto the Xbox 360 and allows you to do motion control by. You are the controller. You don't need a controller. You wave your hands around. Or your feet, anything, or your head, to or play games. Your whole thing. Your body is the controller. 
So Microsoft announced a lot of new Kinect games, and they tried to. Kinect came out like a year ago, and there was a, a like twelve games that came out with it, and then there's been nothing since. A lot of people are saying, "Well, Microsoft don't even know what to do with the Kinect because why aren't they releasing games for it?" Well, they tried with now with this push of new games. And these new games aren't necessarily just exercise games and the standard stuff that they announced last year. They tried to put Connect into hardcore core games, as they call it. So they've got a new Fable title with Connect support. Forza Motorsport, the racing game, has added some Connect support. Um, there's a few shooting games that have got Connect support, but they're not your typical party game type of thing. They've tried to add... I think it's... You know, they've already sold the Connect to the audience that would like the party games. So now they want me, my, like I'm part of the other audience who they want to sell it to. So they're saying things like, Forza is only good if you have the Connect. Or actually, the words on the front of Forza's box are, better with Connect. So I'm going to be thinking to myself, well, I'm not going to get the whole of this game if I don't buy the Connect, so I better buy one. So they're kind of pushing that angle now. I don't think it's... I don't think you need to buy one. I don't think it's... I don't think this is going to do it. Basically, next year, I don't think they will have a connect. I don't think they'll bother with it anymore. I think it'll be gone. Um, But what they did announce in terms of games is they announced um, a new Halo, Halo 4. But not only did they announce Halo 4, they announced Halo 5 and Halo 6. And that's a big deal, actually. It was the last thing they announced in the press conference because as far as everybody knew, Halo was tied up now not only is Halo 4 you know a new Halo it's Master Chief's story again which is the story people cared about because they've ditched that for the last few but the only difference is Bungie the creators of Halo they're not in it anymore they've left the franchise completely so it's a new studio now that might mean it's bad it might mean it's good they might breathe new life into it but um, there's at least three more Halo games coming um they also announced Gears of War 3. We all knew about that one. It's coming out in October. It's the final chapter in the Gears of War 3. But I never believed the final chapter because this is probably Gears of War 4, right? Um, they also announced Need for Speed The Run, which was pretty interesting. Did you see Need for Speed The Run? It's, uh, the, I love Need for Speed. It's one of my favourite racing games. Well, the new feature they've added into this year's Need for Speed is it's like the Cannonball Run. You're racing across America. Instead of it being laps around a track, it's an actual race across America. You Burt Reynolds and Sammy Davis Jr. in it? You wish, but no. Jackie Gleason? It's a bit more. Not Jackie Gleason. I would, I would call Lee's. it Fast and the Furious meets the Cannonball Run. So it's, But the big feature they've added is you can get out... <laughs> that all sounds really horrible. No, it looks really cool. Um, the feature they've added is you can get out of the car and run. Hence the run. So the scene that they showed was you were racing into the city, your car crashed into something, you get out of the car, the police chase you across a rooftop, helicopters are firing at you, you jump off a rooftop, you get in a police car and then leave the city in a police car. The police car leaves the city and you have no choice but to jump off this bridge and it lands, jumps off the bridge and then you the car's smashed and you have to get out of the car and run and get another car, you know, it's got like a... Right. action movie vibe to it so I'm excited to see how that plays out it might just be these things might be insignificant it might just be press X press A when things happen but uh, yeah. it looked cool to me um, 
What else did they do? Uh, Modern Warfare 3 was one of the big things of the show. They showed 10 minutes of gameplay. It's funny because Microsoft act as though Modern Warfare slash Call of Duty belongs to them. Like They do like this 10 minute thing at their press conference. But no, it comes out on all the other formats as well. So it's funny that they lead with that. But I guess it's the biggest selling game ever, so why not? Um, looks like more Call of Duty. It's not a bad thing for me. <laughs> um, so then moving on to the Sony uh, conference, which was on Tuesday. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was on Monday, actually, this week, in the evening. Um, Sony announced, as you probably would guess, they started off the con- uh, the conference with like lots of apologies about PlayStation Network being down. Right. Kind of an apologetic mood kind of conference. And then, then proceeding to say... Okay, we got the apologies out of the way. This is what we've got for you. And then proceed to show a stream of games that looked really good. I mean, they showed Uncharted 3. You saw Uncharted 3. I think Uncharted is one of the best games I've played in a, a long time anyway, the series. And this one looks phenomenal. I mean, it looks like a movie. Is that the boat one? Yeah. Right. With Nathan Drake on the boat. You know, they're doing stuff in there that's like, like a high-end movie you know it's in real time it's amazing looking if you want to see the demo of that just go on Sony's site they can you can see the whole thing um so they showed that they showed Resistance 3 which to me looked a bit rough I didn't like the look of it but there I've not been a massive fan of the other two either I don't know it didn't look like the ad it looked like it was unpolished but there again it probably is right it's not finished yet um they also showed uh Sly Cooper 4. Yeah. So, fans of Sly Cooper, it was a PS2 game. There was three of them, a trilogy. There's a Sly Cooper. The guy who was asking the main guy questions that I watched was real snotty about it. Like, well, this looks a lot like uh, Sly that we've seen before. And the graphics just look, well, it's pretty much the same look as before. And I thought, yeah, that's the point, isn't it? When somebody loves something so nostalgically, you make it the same, you add a little bit. That's why other and you, franchises and you fall further apart. the story. Because when you took Halo and took out Master Chief, everybody didn't love it as no, much. No, no, no. I don't care if people don't, if the person making that game doesn't want to keep doing the same thing over and over. It's kind of like Ricky Gervais in um, Extras, right? Wants to make his own TV show, and then of course the, the network switches it all around yeah. to where he's just this cookie Saying kind of character. Saying the same thing every week. Exactly. Say that, you know, his little catchphrase and stuff. You know what? If people love it, if you don't want to do it, don't change it. Just quit. Yeah. And I think that making Sly Fox or Spy Fox. I Sly say, Cooper. Sly Cooper. <laughs> I want Spy Fox back too. But Sly Cooper, give you and like our nephew Austin who likes In fact, that you all just played well, recently. So, so, well, they just brought out the remastered right. HD version of all three of the PS3 games. Uh, PS2 games. So if you've got a PS3, you can play the older games all remastered, which was nice. We played them all the yeah, way Every game doesn't need to be Gores, Gores of Weir, <laughs> Gears of War. It's a fun, bouncy, intriguing, puzzly. Suitable for all ages. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, this will further the story, which actually was left I'm glad it open. looks very much like it did before. I mean, it's modernized obviously but it's not that much well we just played the HD remakes of mm-hmm. so those were already touched up to newer gen graphics so yeah it, it doesn't look much different to them but it doesn't matter because it's another story with them in it right you just want to hope for you and him that it's a little bit harder maybe more puzzles I and that's it think, I don't even think if it was like them but just more story yeah true that's fine more fun story it's got greasy sweet yep it's got everybody <laughs> they're all in it 
Good. With some new it. people too, apparently. Nice. That they've not they've, that they've not announced yet, and they won't talk about. It's got the guy with the stuffy nose, the turtle guy. Bentley. Bentley. So, um, yeah, Sly Four will be. In, uh, it's coming two thousand and twelve. Unfortunately. That's only six months away. But it's not. Um, Seven. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but it might even be. Well, I said January. It didn't have a, a month oh. for that one. Um, and finally, for Sony. And probably the biggest announcement, they announced their new handheld, which is the next generation PlayStation, which was previously called the NGP. Now it is called the PlayStation Vita. Um, it's a amazing looking piece of hardware, to be honest. It's got a 5-inch OLED screen, touch, like touch screen and touch back, which is I've never been done before, right? You can touch the back of it to control stuff. Mm. Like the demos were showing you a Modern Nation races where you can make a racetrack. And what you what they were doing was pushing their fingers into the back of the Vita and pushing hills into the landscape. So you were like poking the landscape from behind to push the hills up. Which and you know. So it has a touch screen, touch back, gyroscopes, camera, Wi Fi and three G, um Dual analog sticks, which is the big deal for me, because it actually means you can play... The PlayStation only had one stick, so any shooter games, it was out of the question, because you can't move the camera. So um, now you can move the camera, so you can play a full-on... Un- well, they bring an Uncharted on this PlayStation Vita, and it's literally like its console's you know, big brother, but in your hand. Now, the big, big deal about it was everybody was speculating this is a... You know, it's a hardcore piece of hardware. It'd be very expensive. That's why everybody was thinking that this was going to be four ninety nine, five ninety nine. There was lots of this is going to be another PlayStation Three. You know, with the big, big price tag. Now they announced that the Wi-Fi version of it, which is the version that doesn't have three G, is two forty nine, and the three G version, which is three G by AT and T, which got a lot of groans at the uh, conference, which was kind of funny, because. Uh, Kaz Harai came up and said, yeah, PlayStation Vita 3G version will be $299, powered by AT&T, and everybody, everybody was excited, and then they all went, oh. Yeah, because they all iPhones, everybody hates and they AT&T. know, yeah. Yeah, so... Now, I'm going to stop you, because you're going to sit there and say how great a price it is, and now is. we all expected it to be 500 because you're brainwashed! It's not a great price to buy your kid, or buy your teenager, or buy yourself $250. That's a third of a mortgage. You know, that's like somebody's rent for a month. It's too much for a toy. Okay? It's too much. And then how much are the games? Not been announced. It doesn't matter. You know. They're 60 bucks a piece, right? 50, 60 bucks a piece. I actually think that games for it are going to get a different pricing model because... Forty nine ninety nine. No. <laughs> it's it's going to be a home to a lot of experiences. And that's what they've said. It's going to be a home to retail games, which at this moment, there's no disk drive in this system. It's powered by PlayStation Network, powered by some new media that they haven't mentioned. I think it's a memory stick, so a Sony memory stick. Those things are not cheap, generally. So if you're going to buy, if it's going to have to be like a two gigabyte memory stick for every game you buy, you know, it's going to cost. It's not cheap for you, it's cheap for them. Yeah, but I don't don't know what the deal is. So I think you're going to get these PlayStation Network experiences also, which are going to be, you know, the... $1 $1 to $10 games on the PlayStation Network that are designed for Vita. Like, stuff that uses the touchscreen, you know, Angry Birds, um, Plants vs. Zombies, 
the smaller kind of games that can work perfectly on this system because it's got all that stuff, the touchscreen, the whole thing. I think there'll be a lot of that as well, you know, because PlayStation Network, like it or not, you know, with all its outages and its messed up things, it does. It is a home to some good downloadable games that are reasonably. So priced. they're going to make millions upon millions of dollars on these downloadable games and still charge you two hundred fifty bucks for just the thing you're holding in your hand. Yes, now, it should be the opposite. It should cost like fifty bucks, and then they can just. It rip should, you but from. we're not in that kind of. I know, but for you to perceive or anybody to say, "Oh, that they're giving us a great deal," I think it's bullshit. I actually think for what you get for two hundred and fifty bucks, and the DS was two, the three DS was two hundred and fifty bucks also. So they're also com- too much to me <laughs> coming in at the same price as Nintendo, um, but with, in my opinion, even though I might prefer the three DS. In terms of games, because Nintendo are the masters of games, and Sony are not, in my opinion. I mean, they're good at some things, but um, the the value of it is, I think, it's pretty good. It's got a huge screen and all that stuff in there. Um, who knows what it comes with when you get it? Whether you get a game or not, I don't know. We'll we'll see when it comes out, and I don't know. They weren't very specific when it came out. It what was if e- your paycheck was $150 every two weeks, 200 bucks every two weeks, and you worked like a dog to make it, and then somebody's saying to you, here's this toy that you can buy that you'll have a really great time, and 250 bucks is going to take you... Then if you want it, you'd save up, or you'd get it for Christmas off somebody else. Or- it's not reasonable. It's not reasonable. Well, I, whether you, your opinion is it's not reasonable, <laughs> I think is a good price for it, because I paid more for my PSP at the, in the day. The PSP was three ninety nine, right? Way too much. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Wait, six years ago, seven years ago, I don't know. This, for what is in it, is pretty outstanding. I think men have a different brain. Because you, you're all, not you, I mean, men just go for that, don't they? It seems reasonable, it's not reasonable. Anyway, let's move on to <laughs> Nintendo, reasonable or not. Um, Nintendo came through on the, the day after, on Tuesday, with their announcements. First off, they started with a full orchestra um, in front <laughs> of the stage. Because it is Zelda's 25th anniversary. Um, 25 years of Zelda Um, and what they said was this year they're going to celebrate Zelda in a big way first they're going to be bringing uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time to the 3DS a remake of it in 3D um, with the graphics all spruced up interestingly enough that is the best Zelda ever it's widely renowned all Zelda fans will say Ocarina of Time's the one it's the one I have not played I've I've played them all it'll be new to you it's amazing because I have nearly played it a lot of times, but never got around to it. So now you play it on the, the three D on the three D S. Oh, in three D and the whole you know it'll be it'll be good. It's Wouldn't you rather play it big on the TV? No, I would rather play it in three D actually on the three D S. So I'm excited for that because I think he, Miyamoto has said he's gone in and used three D in a way that you won't seen before, and it, it's integrated into gameplay, which I'm really interested to see. Um, so they announced that, and they also announced the new Zelda game, like the new new Zelda game, won't, will be released at, at Christmas in December on the Wii, and it's Zelda Skyward Sword, full new Zelda game using the Motion Plus attachment for the um, Wiimote. Looks really incredible. Use the Wiimote as the sword and the Nunchuck as the shield, so you really, in the battles, you really feel involved in it. And it's been a long time coming, a new Zelda game, so that's exciting. So then, that was that out of the way. They got down to business with, um, let's announce a new console. So, 
the new name for the console is not Project Cafe, like they were saying, like everybody was saying. It is the Wii U. And the explanation was, it's the Wii... Like, their explanation was, hardcore gamers were always sat at the back saying, the Wii is not for me. It's not my console. It's for people who want to lose weight, people who want to wave their arms around, those people. Nintendo said, this new Wii... Is for you. Can do that stuff and can also do what you want. Yeah. Talking to the those gamers. Or do whatever you want as in whatever you are. It's got something for you. So it's a new console, but the big news is the new controller, which you saw the new controller. What did you think of the new controller? Does it interest you in any way? Not really. Do you I not think see. it opens up new gameplay avenues? Uh, I think it's probably kitsch. But I think it's, it's just like you think there's no new game... See, Nintendo, what they're about is innovating in gameplay, right? So, obviously, a 3D system can do that. Plus, you know, a touchscreen. That's what the 3DS is all about. This new thing, the th- Wii U, is about bringing some new gameplay to people. Not just what you've always... Well, what you've always been playing can be done on it, because it's a powerful system. But also, these new things, and they did show you a demo of a lot of the new things... Be it a video. But they're kind of shallow, let's be honest. There's nothing gameplay-ish about playing whatever that black and white... Othello. Othello. That's no big deal. For two people to sit on the couch and on, play Othello. You on can your play phone, it on an probably. Othello board. Or on your phone. Most on a people. real board, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> and having the golf ball in the sand is kind of cool on the floor. When you play golf, you hit it. But then it's not doing anything for you. It's just for kitsch. Right? It's just for looks. Of the... Yeah. You have to think of that in other um, applications apart from golf, though. It could be used for a different view of the game, like a puzzle that involved looking under something, so you'd have to place it down or, and you'd see something. Like Does Metal Gear Solid, like you're looking at a, a vehicle and you got to check it for bombs. You've got to get up off the couch and lay it on the floor and well, scoot it over. Don't have to <laughs> well, you put do. it where you want, right? What I'm saying is there's lots of applications. I don't know. I think How it's... about a rear view mirror in your car that you play in or a... But that involves lots of this and that, holding it up and like doing the oh, game put it at on the same table. time. I'm not sure. I don't. I think it's, it's an interesting little thing, and it's fun for like I have. I hate to break it to you and to them, but it's more fun family wise, and for like you know the baseball game they showed where you put it up like catch it's your catch ball. ball and you catch the ball and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's not going to ever... You don't You don't want to sit... You even said the other day, I don't want to sit on the couch and be all moving I around. I said I do, occasionally, but not always. So that maybe has both, right? So, well, it does have both. Well, what interesting thing about this thing is it's a controller. It's a 6-inch touchscreen. 6.5-inch. It's a pretty big touchscreen on a controller. Two analog sticks, microphone, camera, speakers gyroscopes. The Video whole, calling. That's pretty cool. Everything's in this thing. Now what is really cool is it also has the console has wireless video capability. So it shows you in the demo the kid's playing Mario on the TV and the father comes in and says it's time to watch the baseball game. He turns the baseball game on and the kid's game immediately switches to the tablet and he carries on playing it. That's a cool feature. Is it this, a tablet or controller? <laughs> it's not a tablet, is no, it? No, well, but I mean, it's a feature that's never been done. True, true. Little Johnny can continue playing his game. As long as you keep your Wii on, it'll be good. Yeah, as long as it's on, you can still play it. It's cool. That's a cool yeah, system. Cool. You know, it's not... Or if, as you showed, the family Netflix. member wants to go... No, if somebody wants to go and um, 
use their Wii Fit and weigh themselves. They, they don't, don't have to, to turn stop the TV. The TV. You turn on the Wii, you carry it in your hand, you hold it. It obviously knows how much it weighs, and it'll do all that stuff for you that you need to do. Yep. Um, also, Netflix. Dad wants to watch TV. Kid wants to carry on watching his cartoon on Netflix. Plugs the headphones into the controller. Sits watching it on his controller. Screen's big enough. It's 6.5 inches. Pretty large. It's like a personal DVD player. Um, it's got a lot of applications, I think. Worries for me, concerns, are price. Because they obviously didn't announce one. Seems expensive to me. Doesn't seem like a toy. You know, you know how much an iPad is or a, anything with a screen and a touch thing. It's quite expensive. I don't, I don't know, maybe they're thinking ahead and going, well, in a year's time when this does come out, this will be cheaper to make. Maybe we can get it down to a cheap price. I think, do you think, you know when they announced the Wii a couple of years ago and everybody freaked out and said, this is just the second coming of thing, this is amazing, look at what you can do, and everybody did proceed to buy it. In a big way. I thought everybody made fun of it and thought it was horrible. No, the Wii is the biggest selling console of all time. I know, normal people, but gamer people all Well, I'm it. talking about... Nintendo selling to the <laughs> right, public. yeah, yeah. Do you think this would go over the same? Do you think Oprah or people like that will be? Well, not, uh, not. But do you think people like that, the Today Show, or whatever, will be raving about this thing, saying this know. is a revolution nobody's ever seen this before? I don't know. I just can't imagine. I don't know. I never thought of it for the other. Either. I'm a little bit worried that Sony are going to steal it before Nintendo bring it to fruition because at Christmas they'll have this Vita. Yeah, but the Vita's not six and a half inches. It's five inches. It's close, right? Mm. Um, they've got a Vita. They've got a PS3. They can both talk to each other. If they do it first, then Nintendo have got no thunder. Cause it's no, not- because if you're talking about people like who already like their Wii and the interface and the company and their the intera- the kind of games, all that, they're not going to switch. They're not going to go buy some snotty PS3. I think it was wise to <laughs> That's keep... That's what I think about the PlayStation consoles is that they're really snotty. I actually think it was wise to keep the Wii name. I think that was really wise because if you like the Wii or not, and I do, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Wii. Um, it's that made a name for itself very quickly. Mm-hmm. Not it made a bad name for itself in some circles, but in the public's perception, that was a cool, fun thing. The Wii. Yeah, it's still going to look the same. The logo is the same except the same. it has a little U the on the The console even looks the same. It's very it's bigger, but it it looks like it. I mean, white. <laughs> with a slot on the front yeah. about the same size but just a bit deeper um, so I think you know kept it all white that's their thing now isn't it everything white well not the handhelds because I mean they do fancy colours for the handhelds but the system itself white the controller white um, I'm excited to see what it does I've heard mixed things I've heard people saying it'll be a big flop for them I've heard people saying it'll be too expensive to produce how the hell are they going to if they put that out for five hundred dollars, you cut out that toy market, don't you? I mean, you cut out the. Monza. That's all speculation, though, isn't it? Well, speculation or not, if you bring out, if it is too expensive to produce and you have to charge a certain amount for it, which is more than you normally have, it's not an impulse buy anymore. Like the Wii got to an impulse buy kind of scenario. Was it fifty bucks? No, but <laughs> that's an impulse buy cost. It, it's what is it now? Ninety nine. For a Wii with a game, I think it's pretty close. Now it's like the in the you know a PlayStation Two is ninety nine, so they got it down to like you know you can get one and it's got a game with it. If this thing's you know for uh, three ninety nine for instance, the price of an Xbox when it came out, I think that's too much for Nintendo. 
I think Nintendo have to keep at a family-friendly price. Two forty-nine is an ideal price for them to start with, like the Wii. As long as it comes bundled with everything, like like the Wii did. So a game, and you know they need a killer game, don't they? Like Wii Sports that everybody wants as well. So we'll see. It's a long time off. They're saying Christmas two thousand and twelve for the Wii U. So there's a long time to go yet, but so keep buying your Wii games and playing. Yeah, there'll still be Wii games in the meantime. Obviously, this new Zelda, but don't expect tons of them because Nintendo tend to drop things if they're working on something else. You just won't see a lot of stuff. Um, and then finally, for um, the Wii, they launched the e. I mean, not the Wii, the 3DS. They launched the eShop on the 3DS, which is awesome. I I encourage you if you've got a 3DS to download the eShop and look. They've even got 3D trailers of the latest movies that look really good. You know, you can see. Like Green Lantern, the movie that's in the cinema now, it's a 3D movie. I think it's the only place to see the trailer in real 3D unless you're in the cinema, right? Can't just... If you have a 3D TV, you can. Well, they don't show the trailers on TV in 3D. There's no 3D. There's only ESPN 3D. I don't know if they show them on there. Mm. So it's the only place really where you can just get the trailer and ESPN see ESPN 3D. Yeah, they have football in 3D and stuff now. Wow. Film it all in 3D. Um, wow. There's also a Discovery Channel 3D, you know, with underwater and all that kind of stuff. I'm not an advocate of the 3D, so it's not a big deal to me. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm the skeptic of the world. I'm the, the skeptic of the conversation. The eShop is really good on the 3DS, though. They, they've got a free game for when you download it. It's a Excite Bike, a classic, but in 3D. It's really cool. And they've got a bunch of other stuff. If you're a Pokemon fan, there's a Pokedex in there, which is in 3D. You can look at all your Pokemon in 3D. And, you know, the cards that I talked about, the AR cards, you can make your Pokemon come up out of your desk. So if you're a Pokemon fan, there's a lot of that stuff. And that's obviously a huge Nintendo thing, Pokemon. Um, and the other thing is, they announced a bunch of 3DS games. Um, for, obviously, they're going to support this thing big. There's Star Fox 3D. These are all Nintendo properties that are being made into 3D. Star Fox 3D, Zelda 3D, Super Mario 3D, Paper Mario 3D, Mario Kart 3D, um, Metal Gear Solid 3D. I think Paper Mario sounds like the best bet. It's perfect for 3D yeah. because it's it's like a storybook, right? Plain, yeah. Um, Metal Gear Solid's coming in 3D. Resident Evil, a new chapter of Resident Evil in 3D. Just uh, for the 3DS? Just for the 3DS. That's how Capcom... I like the system so much they're actually doing some of their franchises on it which is unheard of really because um, Capcom don't usually usually save the big consoles games for something else right. so um, so there's those uh, and tons of 3DS games more than I'd ever even imagined that was coming oh Luigi's Mansion 2 if you're a big fan of Luigi's Mansion on the GameCube they're finally doing a sequel to it in 3D um so yeah, lots of stuff coming from Nintendo in the in the months up to Christmas. This is all coming this year as well, Mario Kart, the whole lot. Which are the games people want, aren't they? The Mario games, really. When people say, no more Mario, I say, no, more Mario, keep doing it. Because has there been a bad Mario game? Not really. So, um, and finally, upcoming games for this week. I will be playing them. I've played nothing this week. Because of yeah. the news. I've played Call of Duty, actually. I don't. There isn't a week that goes by that I don't play Call of Duty. But upcoming games for this week, we have Infamous Two, which I'll be playing when I've finished Infamous One. We're trying to get through Infamous One. Um, 
Alice in Wonderland Madness Returns, which is American McGee's Alice, which was a game from, what, ten years ago or eight years ago? You remember. It was a PC game. Barely. A dark version yeah. of Alice, where she had a dagger with blood on it. Well, there's a sequel to that, which is exciting to me, because I really like the vibe of that game. Um, also this week, Duke Nukem Forever, which I mentioned last week, which could be shitty, might be good, don't know yet. The demo wasn't hopeful. Um, Red Faction Armageddon, which came out last week. I haven't got to play it yet, even though it's sitting there. i just not played it. And finally, one that I'm most excited for this week is Child of Eden, which is um, the creator of Lumines and Res. It's his new game. And it's almost a sequel to Res, even though he won't admit that. It's Res's gameplay, but in a new um, right. graphical vibe. So Child of Eden is also out this week. So it's a massive game week. The week after E3, who'd, who'd have known it? So um, that's it. That's a lot of gaming talk. I thought E3 was quite good this year. Did you? I'm kind of dozing. Y'all. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was great. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's, you know, me. I'm very, I think it's all a lot of... I thought it was quite good. I just thought the press conferences were a little lackluster. But there again, we're in that... I think all these companies are in the development of their new systems... So the focus is also can we not can we not acknowledge that not everyone has loads of money just blow on video games? No, what I like mean that. is I, I, I think... mean they they're people too. They all work for a living. They all have families. They have companies that maybe they had to lay off loads of people. They're not going to be shoving down the throats of everyone. No, they did. sixty games, sixty dollar games, not hundreds of games. There's a, a lot console. of games. But what, what I'm that. saying is, I think the focus internally and most of the software houses at the moment is shifted towards. The next Xbox, the next PS, whatever, the the Wii U, right? It's kind of shifted, so you'll get less big games announced until those. Do you want to acknowledge that they might not be having the money to make big games right now because there's less money to go around? They have a shitload of money, as you know, all those companies. You know, I think that, but I don't yeah. think on the lower levels they're not paying loads of people anymore. They've laid off lots of people, right? Lots of different gaming houses of clothes. No, I think in, I think we're in that transition period. I think next E3, the next E3 that comes up next year, will be the one where these press conferences they all come out and say, "This is our new console. This is our new console," and Nintendo say. We'll be getting it. This is we're doing the Wii U, and it'll be out soon. You know what I mean. I think next year will be the one where it's all announced. That big stuff. Um, but this year was good showing because I mean sequels to games you love. That's pretty much what this Christmas is. It's sequels to games you've all you love, like Gears of War, Modern Warfare, Resistance, Uncharted, Sly Cooper, all those games. Need for Speed. It's all all sequels. It's like movies, isn't it? Movies is kind of. In that zone at the moment. Everything's a sequel. For example? Transformers. Uh, Iron Man. That's done, right? We just we already saw that one. Iron Man 2. I just mean there's lots of sequels in movies. There's lots of sequels. What else is there for this, this year? Transformers. Right now we've got loads of new things. Got Green Lantern, Green Hornet. Lots of new stuff Yeah, but stuff it's right still now. rehash of... Uh, it's in a comic book. Not sequels, it's, though. No. Like you said. But you know what I mean. Unoriginal stuff. Whereas... Here, here. You know, original stuff. There is... No, there isn't much original stuff there, to be honest. It's all sequels of stuff they've already done. Apart from... No? Nothing. I, I <laughs> that list. Halo. <laughs> I was going to say Alice in Wonderland Madness. No, because that's a sequel to yep. it. Child of Eden. 
original. But you just said it's just like he's. You games. know what though, Child of Eden, it hits my sweet spot for. This is fucking what video games are all about. Right. I have this. I like artsy kind of different things. Jeff Minter and. Yes, Child of Eden hits that for me, but ninety nine percent of people who play games, they wouldn't give a shit about it. It just looks like a load of. What, yeah. what do I shoot kind of deal. So, um, unfortunately, the stuff that's out of the mould, it just doesn't do very well, does it? Because it's not sh- Call of Duty. Yeah. And I like both. But I do. I have a soft spot for like things that are different, you know? But it's always a shame because they end up in the bargain bin, those games. You know they do. So, uh, yeah, that's this, this year's E3. Um, sorry to keep you so long. <laughs> Sit talk. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? And then that's it. I'm not going on and on. About anything else. Oh, Dinner this isn't, is... is isn't particularly long, this podcast. Salad with avocado, some roasted potato salad, some corn chicken nuggets, some yellow double stuff Oreos, because they only had the double stuff. I don't think I've ever had those. Uh-uh. This is pretty good. And, um... Uh, Where did we go last uh, night, quickly? We went to have Indian food at our favorite Indian food restaurant, and we were both full for hours and hours, and that's when the idea of salad came upon I us. Had, I had curry. We went out for a curry last night, and when I got home, I was like, probably in a few hours I'll want a cookie or something. I literally did not eat until 3 o'clock this afternoon, was it? Yeah. 4 o'clock? 4 o'clock. o'clock. Yeah, because I was full still. Because we had naan, and we had paratha, and we had... Uh, Pumpadoms, we had the, what's it called? That. Starter. No, the fried vegetables. <laughs> the fried, yeah. Don't know that was really called. delicious. Oh and we God. have found, we have uh, discovered that there's at least two more curry places in the place where we go. So I think we have to investigate. Yeah, have to. Just, you know, like you say, oh, we, but we should go to the one we like. Yeah. Well, no, because we might like that other one better. It might be amazing. Like you said, though, I feel like we're cheating on them. Yeah. I think we should try both of them. Like, we're loyal. We're very loyal. Because we drive 30 miles to go to this place, so... And we've done it for years now, but... We definitely should try them. So that's why I'm for dinner. On my birthday. I don't have anything Which is, what, less than a month away? Or about a month away? What do you want for your birthday? On my birthday, we should go to the other one. Yeah, okay. The one that serves the cockroaches. Oh, don't say that! (laughs) We read a review that it had cockroaches. Yeah, don't say that. We're not going to that one. That's the other one. We'll go to the takeaway one and take yeah. it. Well, one for my birthday, actually. Um, what I would really like is... Okay, uh, now, first of all, the rules are, it can't... Uh, my money will not go to any of the big gaming corporations. Oh, uh, I really want Resident Evil on the 3DS. <laughs> <laughs> Comes out around my birthday. Right, well. You spend a lot of your own money on all those gamey things. Anything else? No. Right, That's well. all. That's you might be trick. sadly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. So um, you can that, support your own gaming at addicts. Is that your whole thing? Yeah, I don't have. I don't want to add anything. Else. All right. So thanks for listening to the show. It's really hot in here. Yes, as well, it is. Um, and I have to pee. This feels good. I have to pee. Do this. And I'm hot. And I'm hungry. So the combination of things makes me want to. I think we had a good speak. podcast this week, considering E3 and um, yeah, a good movie. Good movie. So um, thanks for listening to the show. I want to remind you about the website, sitar.com, ascoli.com. You can catch us both on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. You can catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the RSS feed, or the iTunes Music Store. Just go to ascoli.com, click on the word podcast. All your subscription needs will be met. Email feedback to me at ascoli.com. Don't email Sitok because she needs to go for a pee. <laughs> and I want to say stay classy, Oliver Stone. I think he is classy. I mm, think. Question mark. 
No, not question mark, I think. <laughs> I think he's one of... He's a very progressive filmmaker. I think he... Oh, I still, think he's super old-fashioned. No, I really don't. Wow. Look at Natural Bond Killers. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, not old-fashioned at all. Oh, wow. Um, Uses every modern trick in the book for that time. Oh, well, you're talking about tricks. I'm talking about just his mentality. It's pretty old-fashioned. And I'm going to say... Think for yourself, Oliver Stone. Because if you don't, somebody will do it for you. Thank <laughs> you.